0: Hmm. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit.
1: Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Police Show, the show about everything that's bad and ugly in the NFC East. Williams, we're two weeks out from the draft. We did not record our post-draft. Uh, app the week after, how you feeling?
0: <laughs> I feel good. I feel rested.
1: Yeah, I feel like it was actually a good thing. Like we got a chance to actually get the emotions of a of the draft weekend out of our system before we kind of judge it empirically right now.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I wasn't one of those Giants fans who was salty about losing out on Devonta smith but um if i were hypothetically i would have had an extra week to cool off and i think i needed that
1: well i mean thank you for bringing that up that brings us right to the big story leading into the draft we were talking about how the there was an nfc east run from 10 to 12 uh going cowboys giants and then eagles 10 11 12 but as we said in the pod pre-draft, there was absolutely zero chance that that stayed that way and these teams made three normal kicks, one, like, three in a row. Of course, we got some weird stuff happening. Uh, the big story being the Cowboys and the Eagles swap with each other, two division rivals swapping with each other, the Eagles jumping up to 10, taking the Cowboys space, Cowboys moving back to 12, and as Sean said, Eagles taking Devonta Smith, someone that uh, we talked about in the pre-draft show, that if he was there, the Giants probably would be looking in his direction. Uh, that's led to a bunch of post-draft controversy about whether Dave Gullman was playing 4D chess and wanted to move back, whether the Giants even liked Devonta Smith, whether there was anger that the Eagles hopped them. <laughs> I'm an Eagles fan. You're a Giants fan. This is going to be good for us. How are you feeling about that? <laughs>
0: I think first things first, the idea that Dave Gettleman could play 2D checkers, much less 4D chess, (laughs) strikes me as ambitious. It was obvious that the Giants wanted Devona Smith. I, I think that's clear. If you look at any piece of media about who the Giants were interested in ahead of time, directions clearly trended Smith. Now, that doesn't mean he's the only guy they wanted but I, I think you'd be lying to yourself if you if he wasn't very high on their draft boards and he got plucked away because the Giants can't just keep anything under wraps, like a competent NFL organization. Um, what I liked about it was that the Eagles, uh, perhaps a, almost an equally incompetent organization, um, had to give up picks to move up to draft a guy who's going to be Reggie Bush 2.0. So I'm excited about <laughs> that. The only real winner is the Cowboys, who I think got their guy who apparently has character issues, although I still don't know what those character issues are. And they got a third rounder in the process, so they really can't complain.
1: Well, his character issues is that he's currently a Dallas Cowboy. He didn't have character issues before the pick happened, but as soon as the pick happened and he put on the star, he now immediately has character issues. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: (laughs) You, You hold up the jersey and then you're like, damn, I need to drink a lot of whiskey and then get in my car. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I appreciate the fact you, you 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 pay Gettleman as a 2D checkers kind of guy. He strikes me as the kind of guy that is like uh, happy when he finds a word on his third grade son's crossword puzzle homework. <laughs> That's <laughs> the kind of game player I think Dave Gettleman is. But yeah, I mean, as an Eagles fan... Uh, I guess just these two picks since the Giants traded ended up trading all the way back and we'll get to that in a second but the only two picks that happened in that you know 10 to 12 range uh, were the Eagles taking Devonta Smith and the Cowboys taking Micah Parsons and I mean me Eagles fan perspective, I'm not like you know tearing down walls and like ripping my shirt off hyped you know at this pick at all. I in some ways empathize and I don't want to say agree with your pessimism that he's going to be Reggie Bush 2.0. I know that you're trying to troll me on that, but I do fall a little bit more on just like the bearish side of the spectrum where I don't think he's the type of player. And I said this pre-draft where he's going to walk in and like instant impact year one type rookie. Um, but I, I, I understand why the Eagles rolled a dice on a guy like that when picking this high because he's someone that in theory could round out into a superstar weapon two, three-ish years from now. But I think we also know with the Eagles, there's a whole bunch of other variables that go into that, including how the rest of the offense builds and forms around them and how Jalen Hurts kind of settles into this role. So I love it potentially two, three years from now, but does it move the needle for us next year? No. No. And is there a lot of risk associated with that upside in years two and three? Hell yes. So I'm not like, like I said, I'm not like pumped, but I'm at least happy that the Eagles had a guy that was worthy of a first round top 10 grade, locked it on him, executed a move and like got him as opposed to like trying to get cute um, and try to play the board and reach for a player that, maybe fit their mold, but wasn't like a consensus top 10 player. I'm just happy we got a top 10 player and we'll see where the chips fall afterwards.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think it's hard to argue with that. It certainly gives you more clarity around what Jalen hurts is capable of as well, which I think is important. You know, you want to make sure that he doesn't have the excuse of not having weapons. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, maybe the O line is an issue, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. You know, maybe not this time around, but at some point in the future. But you're giving Hurts what he what you need to see out of him, and if he's mm-hmm. not producing with these guys on the field, then you know, going into next year, that you need to make a move.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I, it, it's a it's a perfect time to segue into the Giants because I think. Jalen Hurts in two years is what Daniel Jones is right now. A kind of prove-it year uh, for him. Surround him with weapons and the O-line he needs to try to be successful. And, you know, we said going into the draft, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, probably guys that would be high up on the Giants' board. After the Eagles leapfrog them, they trade back, actually get really good value for the pick, which is, I think, leading to this 4D chess narrative. They, they stock up. Gettleman replenishes the cupboard a bit. So I think the trade itself back is a good move. But the player the Giants picked, Kadarius Tony, did cause some controversy in Giants' circles, I think, just because he's a wide receiver just like Devonta Smith is a wide receiver. So it kind of does kind of show the Giants' hand that they wanted to go weapon and had to settle for second third fourth choice on their board um the good news is though is that they still got fair value for him it was still like 19 and not 11 overall they're picking canaries tony but i mean what's your thinking on tony and and how that kind of shook out for the giants
0: yeah i agree that uh the the trade back makes a lot of sense especially since this is kind of the year for daniel jones to show something so, it makes sense to gather assets in next year's draft in case Jones is a bust. Then you can kind of package those assets together to move up and get a pick. Um, or, otherwise, if you're already naturally picking high in the draft, have more picks to supplement your new rookie with, right? Um, Tony himself does not really interest me. It's hard to know how these speedy guys, like, The elusive types translate to the NFL. Everybody's looking for the next Tyreek Hill. I think the odds of Tony being the next Hill are really slim. Um, He strikes me as more of a gadget player uh, that maybe makes a couple game-breaking plays a year but is otherwise kind of schemed out of the offense or it's not really clear what his role is on a snap-by-snap basis. Now, maybe the Giants don't need that if they're going with a Saquon Barkley heavy offense. They actually realize that they should be running Daniel Jones a lot more, um, especially in like a read option situation. Uh, But I still think it's it's something of a luxury pick for a team that has not shown themselves to even have core talent yet.
1: So it's interesting you say that... uh... You draw the Tyreek Hill comp because I don't think Tyreek Hill would be the next Tyreek Hill without Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. That kind of like subliminal understanding they have with each other that Mahomes can just put on a rope into space 10 yards away from a defensive back and Tyreek Hill has the speed and kind of elusiveness to get under it is a lot of where that feast comes from. And I, I still think it remains to be seen whether Daniel Jones is even the type of passer that can build a relationship like that with a wide receiver, let alone have the wide receiver grow into that kind of role as well, right? I think maybe the allure of like a Devonta Smith or a Waddle was they have like the body and the elusiveness itself to kind of create the space to to build that trust, I guess, and do a lot of the heavy lifting for the quarterback, uh, versus a Tony who may not be able to do it and be would be looking to eat primarily on like low crossing routes, end arounds and slants to start his career, which is like, Yeah. yeah, that that's an asset to any offense, but is that something that moves the needle first round worthy? Remains to be seen, but I'd be skeptical, you know?
0: Yeah. Um I'm on the same page. I don't I don't think Tony has the same as far as I can tell, the same Ability to track the ball down the field that Hill has, you know, you can be fast and I don't think Tony is nearly as fast as Hill, but also just you need to have that awareness of where the ball is in the air Mm -hmm. and Hill has it. Um, I think Jones does have when he's when he's comfortable does have a good deep ball, but I don't think Tony's the guy who's going to be going as the number one verticality threat. Anyway, that probably remains as Darius Slayton's role in the offense. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it's interesting. It's kind of weird to see how he slots in. You know, the Giants signed Kenny Galladay. They have some wide receiver depth, so I would have loved to just supplement a more boring position just to get more depth there. But you know, it's I I do think they have a they like I said with Hertz, the Giants want to be sure that they're giving Jones the opportunity to succeed. And if he doesn't succeed, it's because of him and not because he lacks the pieces around him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that sets the stage for next year. Uh, I do. Ultimately, I want to get to who won overall, who we feel won overall across all their picks, and whether it moves the needle at all for any of these teams next year. But before we get to that, let's close out the first round. Uh, Washington takes Jamin Davis. And. They miss out on a quarterback, so we have two linebackers going to two different teams, Parsons and Davis, and two wide receivers going to the Giants and and Eagles. Uh, we had talked about the one thing we would hate is if Washington picked up a QB. Um, I think there was there was just QBs were running really early this round. I thought I think it was just really hard for Washington to position themselves unless they wanted to aggressively trade up. But I think as soon as uh Trey Lance went to the 49ers and uh the Bears traded up in the giant slot to take Fields that pretty much only left Mac Jones and I mean maybe just Washington wasn't that high on Mac Jones um but uh Washington does not get maybe the one position that would have moved the needle into like a sure uh you know, first place for this team next year or first place conversation for this team. But it seems like they take a decent linebacker. Uh, For me, this just seems like the rich get richer on defense, right? They solidify something that was already a strength, make sure it remains a strength next year. And Rivera must just be content to, like, kind of play a bearish strategy of, you know... As long as I went on defense, the other three teams will probably screw up along the way anyway. We'll, we'll get first place again.
0: <laughs> right. I, I mean, I actually... I like this pick because I think... The mistake that people make with their defense year over year, which is a lot less consistent than offense year over year, is it's harder to anticipate regression and it's hard... Like, injuries can really... Alter things, I think even more significantly than they can on offense. Um, if you have a, if Chase Young goes down on defense, that's a bigger deal than Saquon Barkley going down for the Giants' offense, I would say. Um, it's debatable, but that's where I'm. This this is why I like the pick. It supplements yeah. something that you. It kind of gives you some insurance and says, okay, like I know this defense is going to have some spark and some fight. And then the offense, we just go back to the dutiful twenty point mean. And uh, we'll be fine. We'll be completely fine. We'll be disruptive on defense. Uh, and don't reach for somebody that you don't like. You know, if they didn't like Mac Jones and if they didn't want to trade up all that stuff for Fields, I get it. I mean, they do need to find a solution at quarterback at some point. But there's not too much harm in taking this as kind of a wild card year, seeing if it's magic can't be a high variance guy. And even in those games where he's bad, your defense can bail you out. I think that's a fine strategy to take and makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think I think Washington got better at quarterback this offseason, but they didn't get long term sustainable at quarterback this off season, right? Like
0: one hundred percent.
1: Like uh, Fitzpatrick, even even I expect will 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 exceed even Alex, Alex Smith's ceiling last year and play better quarterback play across now 17 games next year, then Alex Smith was able to give that team in his starter role. And if that's the case and the defense remains the same, they're probably going to be a good team again next year, or at least NFC East good next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I understand not wanting to, um, you know, mortgage the future, especially when, I'm sure Rivera and the the organization there is viewing this as a longer-than-two-year project for them. Um, but it would have been fun to have a, a young quarterback to talk about. But it, I, it would suck for Fitz, right? Two straight years, like, thinking that maybe he'd be a, a key player and then get a young gun and kind of have to be forced into a mentor role again.
0: If I'm Fitz, I'm still pissed about this Miami thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> It would be brutal. Like I, like he's done. Fitz has Fitz has gotten better. I think over the last five years, mm-hmm. like significantly. Um, I still think he's, you know kind of journeyman tier, but like it's insulting to think like oh he's just a holdover who's gonna go five and eleven until our rookie is ready. Like he's capable of more than that. I think. Uh, and so yeah, I'm happy for Fitz. I guess that he. Has a job for now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm happy that, you know, hopefully the giants can kind of force them into a bunch of
1: dumb decisions. All right. Before we close the draft talk, um, or before we get into who won the draft overall, we got to talk about the Howie Roseman, Tom Donahoe fist bump debacle uh, that was captured on television cameras that Philly won't stop talking about. So for those who don't know or didn't see the clip, stay to the NFL draft round three. The Eagles are on the clock. They choose to trade down from their original third round uh, pick to pick up an additional pick later on in the draft. Uh, I will read what Howie Roseman said afterwards, because I think that tells the story better than I could. Let me tell you the story about what happened here, because I think you guys deserve it, Roseman said, speaking to ninety-four-one WIP. I'll give you some insight into it. We're at pick number 70. We have two guys standing out on our board, two defensive linemen, and they're two different flavors. One is a three technique. One is more of a nose tackle. And so obviously when you have two different flavors, everyone likes a different flavor. So Carolina calls, and they're picking two picks behind us. And Panthers GM uh, says, Hey, Howie, you want to drop down two picks for our top of the six-round pick? I said, you got to tell me offense or defense. He said, I'm taking an offensive player. So by then, we knew we are getting one of those two guys. What is now obvious, quote-ended, I'm speaking as me now, not Howie Roseman, is that we wound up with... Uh, Milton Williams, which was the three technique defensive tackle. And the player that Tom Donahoe wanted was the more nose tackle, Alin McNeil from NC state. Um, I think beyond the, just the comedy of it and whether any of these players end up better as a third round pick, who knows how these players are actually going to wind up. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is just that there's a lot of distrust in that draft room. And, doesn't matter whether the cameras are on him or not. It's like, you got to know that the mics are going to be hot. The cameras might be on, et cetera. It says a lot that Tom was that emotionally invested in potentially taking McNeil and that disappointed that Rose has been traded down and lost out on his preferred guy. That's my two cents.
0: Yeah. I think that's the only thing you really can take away is, uh, people seem skeptical of Howie, even within the organization, and that frankly makes sense, because how many coaches have we seen come and go while Howie stays in in charge? At some point, people are going to be like, hold on a second here, like, are you up for this job right now? And I think the jury is out on that.
1: Yeah, Um, it fed that narrative beast too perfectly to have one of his top scouts be that visibly upset with one of his decisions on camera. And it is. It also,
0: there's like a visible element to it, too, where Howie's like this tiny guy. And Tom Donahoe is like this big dude of just like, like just like a little guy, like kind of craving approval. Um, that just didn't, like, just not framed well, you know? It's yeah. Just,
1: it, it fed, it fed uh, I, I think it's worth, we're not going to do take of the week or take around the league this week. But uh, it's worth giving an honorary shout out to our NFL for their uh, post on there this past week of how Roseman has size envy, which dictates his bias in (laughs) the NFL draft. It just fed stories like that, too. We have our guy out here making making the organization look like a fool because of his own inability to maintain good relationships inside his own front office with people he hires and works with every day. It's ridiculous. I can't help but laugh at it in like a self-deprecating way. And as you know, it's part of the tone of this podcast to be self-deprecating. But taking the comedic self-deprecation hat off for a second, it is freaking embarrassing that that was on national TV for this organization. It's ridiculous.
0: It's not good. If,
1: if, if Gettleman were
0: in a similar boat, it would be mean to all hell forever. And it should be. It would be even funnier if Gettleman did it. In my mind, but
1: it would be even funnier if Gettleman did it, especially if he did it in his basement with uh with from the pandemic draft last year. (laughs) (laughs) They just decided to have their war room be Gettleman's basement, and he's like trying to fist bump people, (laughs) getting iced out in his own house. Everyone's
0: eating like a like a homemade pork roll egg and cheese situation.
1: (laughs) Much slower fist bump round (laughs) yeah (laughs) um all right let's uh let's close out the draft talk there uh basically the cowboys in washington look smart and the giants and eagles don't Is my summary of the draft um that's what i think (laughs) I'm wondering just overall without getting into like the nitty gritty of individual picks, just in general, uh, who do you think like won this draft and maybe just go team by team? Like what, like did the, did the needle get moved in a positive direction for each team? Did they hurt their chances next year? Um, or did it pretty much remain a push with just some depth depth pieces added? um, I guess it'll go... Let's just answer that. Then we'll say who won at the end. Um, I guess first, we'll go... Let's just go Eagles first. Um, I thought it was a solid draft, um, but not a lot of stuff that really moves the needles for next year. For me, it's all kind of speculative, high-ceiling guys for next year and the year after. And a lot can go wrong besides these players that impacts their ability to be good players. Uh, For me, I I don't think it really moved the needle all that much. I think they're still probably going to be the worst team in the division next year. And we're just hoping for some flashes and something to build some hope and find out where the true holes are as we continue this rebuild going the next offseason.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think I'm in a similar boat with the Eagles. They have some guys here who could really be superstars. This could also be a draft. You look back at in five years and you're like, what the hell were we thinking? So high risk, high reward, but given the picks that they've gathered, I think that they're comfortable, uh, Kind of kicking the can down the
1: road a little bit, yeah, I think they took I think they made the right bets, but who knows whether these bets will pay off, and there's so much wrong sure. with this team that it could hamper their ability to develop, even if they are even if they were good players to begin with um guess giants next what do you what are you thinking about your giants, buddy?
0: I think a similar situation to the Eagles really where do they have some guys that could contribute I guess technically. But it does feel more like they they traded back several times to get more picks. They have some prospects here who are very high ceiling, low floor type guys, and then a couple of like uh, special team types in the back half. So uh, I think they're building around the defense, which I love. Linebackers and cornerbacks are are probably good for the Giants, but it's it's way too early to tell. This is the Giants are focused from a draft perspective on next year and are confident I think with the free agents they brought in for this year
1: yeah I, I think if the Eagles are like a zero on the move the needle I think the Giants are maybe like it if it's a zero to 50 needle I think the Giants are more like 10 to 15 right I think they bolstered some areas of need for them and they are already more competitive across the board than the Eagles were at several key positions anyway. Um, So that depth will actually be valuable for them next year versus the Eagles, I don't know whether... Like, they need starters more than they need depth. Whereas the Giants have some starters already. They just needed depth, you know? Uh, Specifically, I would say, in the defensive back seven and uh, the lines, right? So I think those picks were good but i still think ultimately the story for the giants next year is just saquon jones and whether they can actually be an offense you know um because we already kind of know that defense is going to at least be well coached high energy and keep a good offense in games
0: 100%.
1: all right let's uh let's do the cowboys next how you th- how do you feel about the cowboys
0: i really like the cowboys draft this puts me, I think, in a minority, but we, you and I talked all the time about what the Cowboys were missing last year, and it was, really came down to like depth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they got better as the year went along. like Their guys gelled more and more, but they literally just needed like bodies to put out there that were mm-hmm. capable, and they took a ton of players. They took five guys between rounds one and three, you know? They have, I think, really fleshed out their defensive depth. Literally, their first six picks are defense. Um, I think Micah Parsons has the potential to, you know, kind of step into the Leighton Vander Esch role now that he's gone. Um, And I just think they—they—they're going to have some guys. There, some of them are going to wash out. Some of them are going to contribute. They need they're kind of in a position where they don't need superstars especially and not on offense they just need guys who can make tackles who can make a play um, and not get burned and i think they got that
1: yeah i i actually agree with you maybe not to the extent that it sounds like you are but i from a move of the needle perspective maybe also 10 15 it isn't like breaking the charts with like a like a team breaking revolutionary pick at any point, but I just think they already have starters that are good. And as long as those starters stay healthy, this depth will help them next year. And I think that I've, we've already said that we think the Cowboys are probably the front runners next year. And I think this draft kind of solidified that position for them next year. Um, But I mean, to go into the next team, I think Washington's kind of in the same boat and probably, had the same draft as strategy as Dallas did and maybe perhaps even kind of did it better.
0: Yeah, Washington had uh, also a ton of picks, um, including four in the first three rounds. Um, I I think what Washington has that's interesting is like a more clear team identity than Dallas. You know, Dallas has the flashy skill position stuff, but Washington is just like, we're physical, we're aggressive, our defense is gonna win us football games, that's it. Um so I like where where their heads are at here and just getting pieces to kind of complement that style of football. Uh, and then get I, I like this guy, this wide receiver out of North Carolina, Brown in the third round. I think they need somebody to pair across from Terry McLaren and I have a feeling he might be that guy. So there's a lot to like there as well. I think I think they're, uh, they're a contender for me for the best best draft selection.
1: Yeah, uh, I think overall, I, I think Washington probably won this year's draft just by the uh, the metric of like who who had who increased their chances of winning the division next year. Um, yeah. but I still think overall the Cowboys are a little bit ahead of Washington um, just by the players they already had before the draft anyway. Um, and to me, I, I, I think the Giants remain a wild card and the Eagles remain a much bigger wild card in this division next year. Yep. But who knows? That's the fun of the draft. We literally have never watched these players play professional football, yet we spend months talking about them and guessing what they might look like. So I can't wait to see them out in the field.
0: That's why it's for losers.
1: <laughs> well, thankfully, we only wasted two episodes of our lives on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of texts. So. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't like screenshot the uh, Devonta Smith like overrated... Text we had back in january
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i have plenty of time for that i'm not i'm i'm terrified so i'm gonna wait to collect my receipts
1: <laughs> all right uh all right uh, that's that's a wrap on the drafts let's uh there was another fun post uh drifting around our nfl this week uh that i i think what could lead to a fun little discussion to close the draft in lieu of take around the league Uh, so there was a bit of a, a a graphic snafu, I believe on the regional sports network in Jacksonville. Uh, they were listing out the Vegas odds for the Jaguars next year. And they listed the Jaguars as I believe plus 2000 to win the NFC East, which is surprising to all involved because they're in the AFC South. So, I for one would welcome the Jaguars to the NFC East. I think yes. they pretty they pretty much fit the bill for what these teams are. But but I think it's it'll be a fun just little discussion to say like if we had to, if if the if the league went back to five teams per division, which team would we want to adopt into the NFC East? Uh, which team from another division best fits the profile of an NFC least team? A, a team that maybe their ownership is uh got too big of heads, actively torpedo the team, they can sit on their money with a losing team and still make money. They don't really invest in sustainable winning strategies. Like like who are these teams outside that we want to adopt into the NFC East?
0: I don't think it's all about just like incompetence, right? Yeah. Like I don't think let's see. Like, I, I'll i just start with one, if that works. Um, Go for it. I think the Chicago Bears are a great NFC East team. I they've like had, that, actually. They've had historic success. They won a ton of championships before the Super Bowl. Then they have one Super Bowl success 35 years ago, and then they've just kind of been mediocre in the same predictable ways ever since, and they've never been able to scheme their way out of that. They, uh, they play in a cold stadium. Um, they just have... Their fans are eating junk food all the time and are irritable people. <laughs> they have a lot of things for me that I think really check off the box, and I'm, I'm down to bring them on board, get them away from, uh, from the Packers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that pick a lot. Uh, Chicago also is a very... Uh, it's basically Midwestern Northeast Corridor city. It's like any Northeast corridor city just gets plopped in the Great Lakes. It's basically in Chicago, culturally and just spiritually. I feel. I, I,
0: I do feel like they freak out more about sports in like a more northeastern way, yeah, than yeah. than any other midwestern counterpart who tends to be a little more interested in like college football or something. Um,
1: yeah, just or, just or watch, is, the, uh, watch the watch uh, the Bill Sworsky superfan skit. Yeah, on SNL. Exactly. That's that's basically. <laughs> You know, that could easily be, like, uh, like John McGillicuddy's superfans yeah. in Boston, you know, or something. <laughs> right. in, the,
0: the Polish Chicago Bears fan is the the relative, closely related relative of the Irish, you know, uh, like, Eagles fan or the Italian yeah. Giants fan or what have you. Exactly, it.
1: exactly. I I like that pick a lot. Um, There's two that come to mind for me. One's kind of a low-hanging fruit. The other, I think, is is more fits your mold. Uh, I think. I think. I think we have to consider the Jets.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we do.
1: (laughs) Like I know it's the geographic uh, closeness. There is just too uncanny plus i think the ownership and just the general culture there it it, it, it reminds me of the giants and the eagles a lot <laughs> just yeah. how they operate what their deal is it it's it's kind of uncanny sometimes um the one that i'll throw out there that i think more is more of a left field kind of bearsy pick is the 49ers
0: Ooh, interesting when is the last time they haven't won since Steve Young? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm, that is they're a basically
1: like, they're basically like a hipper Dallas Cowboys.
0: That's exactly <laughs> what they are. They got, they're like a West coast earthy crunchy yeah. Cowboys.
1: Yeah. They're like a new age Dallas Cowboys. You know, yeah. uh, they had obviously the one run under Harbaugh, but didn't get a ring, uh, with Kaepernick in the early 2010s. But after that, I mean, they hired Chip Kelly. That is an NFC East move. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, all the weird eras, like the uh, the Jim Tom era, <laughs> that is that is tier.
0: That is absolutely negative <laughs> tier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jim Tom uh, didn't
0: get enough love when he was around.
1: The Mike Singletary era that is like akin to Jason Garrett getting a job. <laughs> With the Cowboys. Yeah. You know? the,
0: the Singletary. Who is Singletary? He's like the Jim Zorn equivalent for the NFC. <laughs> <MFCs.
1: Yeah. laughs> That's actually a good pull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'd say the 49ers. Just like those staccato like bursts of like one season success in between yeah. just like so many years of like four to seven win teams over the past like 15 to 20 years, you know? Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, just, just brief glimpses of hope. Yeah. Marked by like pretty downtrodden mediocrity.
1: Yeah. And that like post Mariucci era where like Jeff Garcia and Terrell Owens, uh, just basically became an Eagles feeder team <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> for a hot second. <laughs>
0: They broke my heart before they broke my heart on the Eagles. They, in the 2002, uh, playoffs, they came back. Terrell Owens cooked Jason Seahorn, absolutely cooked, uh, a, a childhood icon and kind of scarred me. And, uh, we can talk more about that when we get to our, two uh, thousands teams. And,
1: well, I think that's a great time just to pivot into yeah. teasing the two thousands teams. So, uh, Sean and I both have our lists. We're ready to go. I think sometime in the next two weeks, we're going to start recording. Uh, but it's going to be a fun time for the least uh, to tease it a bit for listeners now. Uh, we have a new logo in the works. We're going to launch, relaunch a bit of a rebrand as part of this uh, All 2000s Team special series of podcasts. Um, we're going to be asking you to participate with us in some ways. We haven't figured out how or uh how exactly it's gonna look just yet but we're excited to get you guys involved in the nostalgia of it all um and i think we're we're, it's very hard for us both having our lists already done not to like giggle and tell each other what we picked (laughs) over text already so i'm excited for that pent-up energy just to kind of release over a series of six episodes (laughs) You'll have that to look forward to dropping in your feed some point in the next couple weeks, I imagine. But a lot of exciting stuff. Of course, uh, email us at NFCLeastMailbag at gmail.com. Rate review on iTunes. And uh, we'll definitely be promoting the... Actually, you know what? We already have the Twitter handle. So hold on. If you want to give a follow to NFCLeast at NFCLeastPod right now gentle listener uh <laughs> you could be in the know immediately as soon as these episodes start dropping and all the fun stuff will be there so look forward to some promo around that uh please give us a like a follow everything and i'm ready to get this going
0: really can't wait bart scott style
1: <laughs> can't wait <laughs> <laughs> all right good stuff as always man uh until next time
0: Yep. Take it easy,
1: bro. Bye. Pal. Bye.